It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, July 26th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Should money from the sale of the Sitka Community Hospital building fund construction of a marine haulout in Sitka? When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will decide whether to put that question out to voters this fall. Sitka's fishing fleet has been without a marine haulout since the privately owned haulout at Halibut Point Marine closed its doors this spring. Anticipating the closure for the last two years, the city has pursued several options. It sought grants, proposals from the private sector, and worked with a community boatyard group. But so far, a haulout hasn't materialized, and now Sitka's fishing fleet has no local option for servicing their vessels, apart from the city grid. This spring, the city closed the sale of the former hospital building for just over $8 million. That money is now in the city's permanent fund and requires a vote of the public to be withdrawn. Spending it would come with a loss of around $340,000 in disbursements to the general fund. If the Assembly approves the measure tonight, it will be included on the ballot in the October 4th municipal election. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Sitka police shot a brown bear near the intersection of Monastery and Surstad Street early Sunday morning. Police received a call shortly before midnight on Saturday reporting a bear in the residential area. Fish and game biologist Steve Bethune received a call from officers around 1 a.m. Sunday morning. Officers told Bethune that they'd shot the bear, which was digging in a trash can and behaving aggressively. In an interview with KCAW, Bethune said the bear was a mature male and weighed 530 pounds. It's the first bear killed in Sitka this year. 2021 was a record-breaking year for bear killings in Sitka. Last year, 14 bears were euthanized, more than double any year since 1980. It prompted the Sitka Assembly to reconvene a bear task force in an attempt to address increasing conflict between bears and humans in the community. Bethune says he hopes he won't have to respond to many more bear dispatch calls this year and adds that the best way to prevent bears is by securing household garbage. While chum salmon runs in the western part of the state are crashing, hatchery chum salmon returns in southeast are strong. As Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports, the runs are promising to either meet or exceed expected numbers. Southeast's main hatchery operators are private nonprofits that rear and release salmon to supplement commercial fisheries. Hatchery chums in the region are genetically indigenous fish, but they're raised in captivity, and the fry are released into the ocean by the tens of millions. A small percentage returned three to five years later, nearly all of them caught by saners, gill netters, and trollers. Hatchery chums are worth millions of dollars every year. The top season was in 2012, when they were valued at nearly $63 million. Last year's haul was worth about $25 million. But this year will probably be better. This has been a great chum return, and it's still ongoing. Susan Doherty runs Sarah. Southern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association based in Ketchikan. Every year, they release millions of chum fry at sites throughout the southern half of the region. Doherty says they've had good returns since the beginning of the season, and they've been on time. All but one of Sarah's sites are coming in over their forecast numbers. It's a very strong run. We're very pleased after the last couple of years where that has not been the case. She says in recent years, Sarah had to take out additional loans because there wasn't enough fish to cover their operating costs. She says this year, that shouldn't be a problem. And she should know. She's been with Sarah for 35 years. This is more like days of old. 
Further north, NSERA, Northern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association, operates hatcheries in the central part of the region. There, the chum run showed up late. Scott Wagner is the general manager. It was the latest, slowest start probably ever for all of our sites. Although the run was late, it's turning out to be a good one. I think we might actually hit forecast, but that's saying something. We haven't hit forecast in like three or four years. A sign of success is the Hidden Falls Hatchery on Baranoff Island. It opened for seine fishing this season after having been closed the last few years. Like Ensera, another northern hatcheries operator is also seeing a late return of chums. We were very nervous in early July. Katie Harms is the executive director of DIPAC, Douglas Island Pink and Chum Incorporated. DIPAC releases chum fry every year in the Juneau and Haines area and sees an average return of around 3 million fish, which are mostly caught by gillnutters. Harms says this year's return was late, but it's turning out substantially better than the last two years. 2021 saw a return of just 1.4 million, and 2020's return was less than a million. Any movement in the right direction out of the hole that we were seeing in 2020 and 2021 is a good sign. It's nice to see fish around, so I think everybody's pretty happy. There have been many guesses as to why returns the last few years were down. Everything from hot, dry weather to residuals of the warm water blob in the Gulf of Alaska in 2015 and 16. But like indigenous runs, hatchery chums cannot be tracked in the ocean, so there is always a lot of mystery surrounding them. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. An invasive species with the potential to wreak havoc on important commercial and subsistence fisheries has been found in Alaska for the first time. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, biologists with Metlakatla Indian Community say they've found the first evidence of European green crabs on Annette Island near the southern tip of southeast Alaska. Scientists had been looking for the crabs for years, and to their relief, so far they had come up empty. Then came a troubling find on the beaches of Annette Island, three shells from a European green crab. Well, everybody was pretty much shocked, I guess is the best word. Dustin Winter, the director of Metlakatla Indian Community's Fish and Wildlife Department, says the mid-July find is the first evidence of the invasive species' presence in Alaska. The tribe has been working with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration to monitor the sea's and shores for signs of the crab. The crustaceans are two to four inches wide with spines on their head. Metlakatla biologists started setting traps in 2020 after a shell fragment was found in Haida Gwaii. That's an island chain off the coast of northern British Columbia. Started out kind of small, but it's it's turned into quite the project now. We have three, sometimes four people, working every other week, uh, setting pots and pulling pots and recording what kind of um, crabs they're catching. Winter says that as of July 22nd, they still haven't located a live specimen, but NOAA Fisheries biologist Linda Shaw says the discovery means it's time to take action. I think that. It definitely is a reason for concern, but not any kind of panic. I think that it's a wake-up call that they are moving our way. They are, you know, detected here now, so we need to take it seriously. But we are not in the situation yet that Washington State is. In Washington, Governor Jay Inslee declared an emergency over the state's green crab infestation in January. The state has spent millions fighting the spread of the species. Last year, the Lummi Nation near Bellingham reported capturing 70,000 during a five-month span. In the past year, they have their populations have exploded in Washington State and Oregon. 
Scientists say the crustaceans are a threat to ecosystems and commercial fisheries. They uproot eelgrass beds in search of food, which serve as habitat for herring and salmon. Shaw says they're also a threat to fellow shellfish. They compete with juvenile Dungeness crabs. They are shellfish predators, so things like clams they would directly eat. And then there's also anecdotal information from British Columbia that they uh, predate on juvenile salmon. Invasive European green crabs have been found in U.S. waters since the 19th century. Scientists say their microscopic larvae likely hitched a ride in the ballast tanks of ships crossing the Atlantic, and they've hurt native species. The crabs are blamed for the decline of the soft-shell clam fishery in Maine. They were first found on the West Coast in 1989 in San Francisco Bay and have been spreading north and south ever since. Shaw says the crabs tend to spread with El Nino. That's the weather pattern characterized by higher than normal sea surface temperatures in the central and eastern Pacific. She says warming ocean temperatures associated with climate change also play a role. Warmer temperatures would allow greater survival and reproductive time frame rays. So if it's warmer, they have more chance to reproduce and they have better growth and they have a longer season. So what can be done to prevent them from spreading further north? Shaw says for now, trapping the crabs is thought to be the most effective approach. So, you know, enclosed bays and areas are places where we might be able to do intensive trapping to, um, if not eradicate, at least control them, especially in areas where you have resources at risk that are important. It's also important to know where the crabs are, so scientists are asking the public to keep an eye out for them. Though they're called green crabs, they're found in a variety of colors. Shaw says they're most identifiable by the spines on either side of their eyes. We like to say find the five spines. So green crab have five spines on either side, right and left of their eyes, and then three bumps in the middle. And uh, those are the only crabs in Alaska right now with those characteristics. Officials are asking people who find green crabs in Metlakatla to bring them to the Department of Fish and Wildlife office. Sightings can also be reported in Metlakatla and elsewhere to the Alaska Invasive Species Hotline. That's 1-877-INVASIVE. With additional reporting from KRBD's Reagan Miller, reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Tuesday, July 26th, 2022. Today, mostly cloudy, highs in the mid-60s, near Port Alexander, partly cloudy. Areas of fog in the morning, scattered rain showers, southwest winds around 10 miles per hour, shifting to the west in the afternoon. Tonight, partly cloudy, lows in the lower 50s, northwest winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. Thank mm-hmm. you.